good to me. Uh huh, yeah. That's Buffalo Wild Wings in Minnesota. Where there's, you know, this is the name. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. for another week um joined by a special guest uh conrad gorlitz is that am i pronouncing it correctly conrad yes yes gorlitz oh, okay. like gorlitz 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 yeah. yeah sorry i for, forgot my uh my ib german it's been a long time since i spoke german regularly so um it's all good it's all good no problem <laughs> how was everybody's weekend really good good i spent, good? Uh, spent the weekend in the woods Drinking a lot of beer, getting bit by a lot of mosquitoes, chasing a lot of flies, sleeping. That's good. Dan? I went up to Bali John's, played some cribbage with a buddy, also got bit by mosquitoes. I think mosquitoes were the order of the weekend because I, uh, I got pretty annihilated uh, by mosquitoes in my own backyard. Uh, but we had some friends over for the first time since uh, March 13th, Ooh. I think. Do you wear so. a mask? Uh, no, we were we were distanced. Like we have a big enough backyard, so um, got some uh, got some crowlers from uh, a couple breweries and did an impromptu beer tasting, which was a very welcome dose of normality. If, if you were if you were socially distanced, I think it no orgy then. No. Also, we were in a backyard, and. Honestly, I'm a little unclear of the legality of that, but I think you'd still get nailed for public indecency. Kept his pants on, Matt. Yeah, I mean, that's what, like, the Mormons, like, with the sheets at the hole in them before. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so if you, you like this kind of bullshit, uh, you can always join our Patreon, patreon.com backslash Dave's I know. Uh, starting at $3 a month, we're going to hook you up with a bomber. Um, we're... Now that we actually have games and we actually will have watch bars and stuff, I need to chat with uh, Hop Clouds to figure out what our next sort of uh, round of beer tasting uh, slash uh, bomber delivery system will look like. Um, but yeah, look for that. Uh, so yeah, if you're interested, visit patreon.com backslash the Daves I know to help support the Daves that you know. And if you are interested also in, the, in our newsletter, uh, the, it's uh, the Daves I know.substack.com for the uh, weekly ish newsletter. That, uh, that I put out. Um, I've been trying to figure out how to write about Liverpool, guys, honestly. I'm, like, I have probably about 5,000 words about Liverpool right now. I need to like, edit it down. So that will probably be the bulk of the newsletter, um, hopefully coming out either tomorrow or Wednesday. So. But we're not going to talk about Liverpool right now as much as I really want to. We are going to talk uh, to a German uh, because <laughs> uh, we have a German in the house. Conrad, um, MJ, why don't, you, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Conrad? Conrad, introduce himself. Yeah, Conrad and I met playing broomball because you play soccer with our mutual friend Kirk. Uh, you grew up in East Berlin. Uh, without outing your age, I do know that the Berlin Wall came down sometime during your lifetime. Uh, that is correct. Uh, you, 
do you remember that? Were you old enough to remember that? And if so, uh, what do you remember from your or your family's memories? Um, well, I personally do not really remember it. I remember it more from, yeah, my family uh, telling me about it. Um, I have very vague memories of something big happening, everybody being in front of the TV. Oh, just, I was born in 83, so I was about seven at that time. And um, yeah, like, like I said, I remember something big going on. My dad go, leaving the leaving the house um, in, in the middle of the night, basically, um, after we all huddled in front of the TV. And then, yeah, um, the wall came down. But uh, like I said, I don't really remember the details then. Or it wasn't a big thing for me back then. So you buried the lead, MJ. Conrad is an Union fan, correct? I was yes. getting there. Okay. You're burying the lead, man. Come on, don't bury the lead. No, I like to work up to these things. You know me. Uh, so you grew up in a united Berlin. Uh, was there still a cultural difference between East Berlin and West Berlin? Was there still kind of, even though there wasn't a wall, or somewhat of a division? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I know it took uh, probably a couple of decades for that to um, economically even out a bit. Um, and it's still not fully there. Um, but yeah, the, um, there's a, a pretty famous phrase in Berlin or yeah, the Die Mauer im Kopf, which means the wall in your head. And that's still very much is a thing for the people, especially the older people, you know, my generation and older, definitely. Um, it is a thing. You talk about um, the people from the West, you know, who are still like, rich are generally better off than the people in the east and those kind of things and you talk about clubs from former east berlin having a harder time in general uh, east germany having a harder time um generally competing with teams from former west germany and whatnot so it still is a thing to some extent for sure speaking of and other clubs in, in germany Sorry. i or even in other clubs in berlin uh i recently found out that in tiers one through ten of bundesliga there's like almost 40 there's 38 or 39 clubs in, in berlin if you want to go all the way down to the levels um you you are a, an fc union supporter um their biggest rival in east berlin was the corrupt stasi backed uh dinamo berlin uh they have won 10 east german league titles from the late 70s to the late 80s three three east german cups were you and your family always Union supporters? And did you, if so, did you know any Dinamo uh, supporters growing up? Um, well, my, fan, uh, my, my dad has been an Union supporter since he was, yeah, like in his early 20s or something, just uh, kind of a, the rebellion against the uh, government back in East Germany and Union was like the hub for that, you know? Um, and so after the wall came down is when I started going, like 91 or so, I think was my first game that I ever attended. So my dad made me a Union follower, a Union supporter too, let's say that way. The rest of my family doesn't care about soccer at all, uh, football, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he basically made me a big time Union supporter. And then, yeah, it kept growing from there. We started out in the third league, which back then was whatever, call something different than from what it is now, but, um, and they have grown from there. Sorry, I kind of lost uh, my track a bit. What was the original question? Or the... Oh, I had a follow-up question, like I often yeah. do. Uh, do. Did you know any Dinamo Berlin fans growing up? Oh yeah, right. Um, no, I cannot say that I knew or know anyone who ever really supported those, those guys 
And I don't think they had a whole lot of supporters back in before the wall came down either. It was mostly government officials and like um, students and whatnot that they sent into the stands there to oh, watch okay. the games. And, yeah. Because their regime could just force these people to, to do that. Right, more or less, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they were forcing or, you know, giving incentives for that. Uh, either way, yeah, they were in control of that, for sure. Lower League Soccer has been around for a long time, but just with the growth of the sport and social media grown a lot bigger recently in the U.S., most of the minor league fans here in the U.S. still cheer for an upper league team in the, in the Bundesliga in Germany. When you're a fan of a lower tier team, are you really loyal to that team, or do you would would a Victoria or a, a Dinamo fan in Berlin would they also be cheering for a, a Union or a Hertha? Mm, I kind of would say it depends on how far you go down. I mean, if you're talking fourth and fifth league, that's still kind of professional, semi-professional levels. So um, they have their own supporters, which may also support an even higher a higher league team. But in the end they stick to their team. I think when you go below fifth league, that's where people actually start playing themselves on an amateur level. So I have my team, which plays the first team in the seventh league, the um, <laughs> second team in the 11th league, which is where I played myself back then. So I support my local team that I played for and with, but other than that, I cheer for my one pro team. Yeah. And most people do it like that, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> one of our followers uh rob uh who's also a red loon uh he asks as as recent as of this season uh he he's converted to a union supporter are there things i should know that maybe i haven't learned this season mm. well i don't know it depends on what you've learned this season but uh i would say um probably not a lot conrad probably not a lot <laughs> yeah right um, well, we're very down-to-earth club in general. Um, Union um, appreciates the fans a lot more than the average uh, club does, and they involve them in their um, decision-making. And, um, I mean, the fans basically own the club for the most part. Not entirely, but I think the majority is owned by the fans. So, like, that already shows that decisions are not just made because of profit or whatever it may be, it is very important that the, every member and even the whole community that um, surrounds the, the club, which mean, which I'm by, what, by which I mean the um, district of Köpenick down there in Berlin, in Southeast Berlin, all, they include the whole region basically. And yeah, it's, it's kind of a social engagement as well as a soccer team or soccer club, yeah. So. I I think my question uh, for you was, I'm, I'm going to have some highlights from the season later on, but uh, my first highlight from the season was, was basically the, the, the derby match between Union and, and Hertha. And, uh, you know, you as a longtime supporter, and what, what was your feelings on that, on that match, that first one of the season? Uh, it must have well, been huge. Yeah, um, see, seeing the, it was the first time that they met in the Bundesliga. Or in the yeah. Top in the first league so it was of course a big deal and everybody wanted their team to win um i was definitely very excited i was a bit bummed by the game in 
itself because it was kind of not a great game but you know in the end we won even if it was a bit lucky and not necessarily deserved but of course i cheered i partied i was very happy with the outcome <laughs> yeah so it was good for me and of yeah. course seeing seeing the whole um crowd in berlin go wild yeah that of course made my heart blossom <laughs> yeah that, that first leg of the derby it was pre-covid um yeah, exactly. That was still packed. Yeah. Speaking about all the fans there, Conrad, I don't know if you remember this, but I asked you, I know you're going to say that the Union has the, has the best fan fans or the best fan base and the best fan culture and, you know, just very left-leaning. Uh, and I asked you, who, who would you say have the second best fans? Do you remember who, what, what you answered? Mm, I would probably have said something like St. Pauli. They're yeah. basically very much in the same league when it comes to left-wing, you know, um, support human rights in general, no racism. Like, they don't just say these things, they live it. And that's definitely another team you can mention in that respect. Um, otherwise, of course, you know, when you come to the big teams, when Dortmund and Schalke and whatnot, they have huge fan bases and very devoted people there. Um, so... It's it's just, I think Union and Sao Paulo are a little more special because they're generally the smaller team in their big city, you know. They're kind of the underdog in the in the pro um, leagues and therefore have less supporters than that bigger team. And yeah, th that's probably why the that alternative kind of um, or left-wing so, thing yeah. came out. Just, so, yeah. so Bill started the uh, FC St. Pauli, St. Paul group? That we all get together uh, and watch uh, this FC St. Paul matches. Normally on delay because no one wants to get up at 6.30 in the morning to watch soccer matches. Um, or no bars are open to, to let us do that. So uh, you're talking, me and Bill are both uh, members of the uh, FC St. Pauli, St. Paul supporters group. So MJ, are you a member yet or no? I, I don't think I'm officially a member, no. All right. I mean, like I, I show up to games somewhere. I have a I have a FC St. Pauli scarf. I need no, I need to get a Union scarf. Is what I need. <laughs> um, so but I guess where do I sign up? Where do I sign up, David? Bill, 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 get you involved. I guess, Conrad, my my big my my question for you is um, obviously. So this year, your first year of the Bundesliga. Uh, what was like? What was your most exciting moment? What like what was like? Obviously, I think probably like staying up for another year probably pretty good but like is there anything specific a specific uh game or, or or memory or something that you that you you know really enjoyed from the year yeah i mean there were quite a few ones it's kind of hard to just say what was my favorite because there were so many big moments um i would say still because we didn't have a game in, in front of fans with against fc bayern otherwise that would have probably been great but um anyway i think the dortmund game it was i think that third game of the season and yep. you know it was our very first victory in the Bundesliga it was against Dortmund I mean how much better does it get it, it was just great yeah I would I would say that was the best moment yeah yeah I also you know just the fact that they were pretty consistent all year right yeah. no for sure I'm, I'm very happy with the performance in general they basically had maybe two, three games where they really performed, um, you know, below the, what they can usually do or what they, yeah. Um, yeah. So the rest of the games were all solid. They 
lost to the two teams, which, you know, you can expect losses against, yeah. you know. Um, they had a few really good games, like I said, Dortmund, like the, the win against um, Frankfurt, the win against uh, Gladbach too. That was also yeah. a big one at home. So there were a few really good games, a lot of good games, a few solid ones, and really, like I said, two like bad ones. But yeah. all over, a very good performance for yeah. the first season in the Bundesliga. I, I could not be any happier. Me and my dad are just stoked and can't wait for the next one. You, does your dad live here or still in Germany? He lives in Berlin. My whole family is in Berlin. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That actually feeds kind of right into where I was going, which is, so Union had this fantastic season. They get promoted. They stay up. So that's like the big goal. Right. What, what's next? I mean, are, do you feel like the club is looking at trying to pip a European place? Is it just solidify and make sure that you're in the Bundesliga for the next two or three years? You know, what, what are the aspirations? Yeah, I think the aspirations will not change that much anytime soon for now. I mean, the first season is usually easier than the second one. When you have a, a functioning team that goes up, we all, all the players know each other well. There's a, it's very harmonious within the team. I think change will happen now when players like Anderson, who was very successful, will leave the club. The goalkeeper will leave Kikiewicz, which is also like you. He was huge for our success. Um, yeah. So I think this second season will be a lot harder to um, hold it, uh, stay up there. Um, it will really depend on, on the leadership, basically, of the club to, to find the right players to substitute those who leave and still have a good team going. Um, but it's going to be more of a challenge this time around, I think. So that the, the goal will not change. And if you compare it to teams like um, Augsburg or, um, yeah, let's say Augsburg or who went up like 10 years ago and now they just managed to, I think, stay in the Bundesliga for the 10th season in a row since yep. they got up. So that was yeah, a big mark for them. Um, and they are, you know, like Union, a very small team, very um, low budget and whatnot. Um, so they should be the kind of example that Union should follow. But yeah, no, the goal stays the same. Stay in the league for as long as possible. <laughs> right. Well, so actually, that's a really great segue to talk about. So I'm just going to rattle through all the scores here quick, and then we can talk um, if there's any specific games um, that people want to talk about. Um, the uh, aforementioned Dortmund lost, uh, got fucking trounced by Hoffenheim for nothing. Yeah. Uh, Leverkusen won, Mainz zero, Gladbach two, Hertha Berlin one. Uh, that meant that Gladbach took the final Champions League spot and Leverkusen goes into the Europa League. Uh, Wolfsburg zero, Bayern four, Frankfurt three, uh, R.I. Paderborn two, Werder uh, Bremen uh, six, Cologne uh, one. Jesus Christ, man. Um, yeah. And then Freiburg four, Schalke zero. Schalke, we can talk about Schalke in a hot second here. <laughs> uh, Augsburg one, Leipzig two, and then uh, uh, Konrad's Union Berlin three, Dusseldorf zero. Um, so basically, uh, in the Europe in the Europe spots, Bayern, Dortmund, Leipzig, Gladbach all went to the Champions League. Uh, Leverkusen and Hoffenheim uh, went. They are directly into the EL, Europa League group stage. Uh, Wolfsburg is in the Europa League qualifying. Um, and uh, yeah, relegation paddle, RIP Paders, Paderborn and. Uh, it's a, Dusseldorf go down. Uh, Werder Bremen's in the promotion playoff against Heidenheim, which uh, I have to laugh at because uh, all Hamburg had to do was win or even just draw. Uh, Heidenheim had lost to Armenia uh, 3 nothing. Armenia being 
one of the teams that's going up from Bundesliga 2. They had a very good season in Bundesliga 2. Uh, and then uh, Hamburg got beat 5-1 to one by uh, Sandhausen. Um, 10th place Sandhausen, which... I love that. You know, we were watching. We were watching. I know. That was so much fun watching that Hamburg game. <laughs> we were watching. Like, we were watching the yeah. FC St. Pauli game, the debacle of FC St. Pauli, and then right. at, at a certain point, like I was like, "Well, fuck! All right, we're gonna lose this game." And then I just looked at the looked at the table and saw that Hamburg had had lost. And I was like, "Holy shit!" And then saw they lost five to one. Yep. So it brought a it, it brought a big cheer to everybody who's watching FC yeah. St. Pauli that yeah. Hamburg had had lost five yeah. to one. So if St. Pauli can't win, you might as well yeah. cheer against Hamburg. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they're. I mean, that that Werder Brennan. I mean, not only did they, you know, if if if, the, if it would have ended up in a tie, if if between them and Dusseldorf, they made up the point spread. They were behind, which is insane. Yeah, tanked bad this year. Um, yeah, the other team like Augsburg, that's fairly small. I feel like it's not surprising that Mainz every now and then has a. Bad season like that, so yeah. they're fairly scraped by it. Yeah. Not out of the ordinary. Conrad, I'm guessing the final table, if, if uh, someone told you at the beginning of the season you're going you're gonna to be tied on points with Hertha and you're going to finish above Mainz, Köln, and Schalke, you yeah. would have said, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't even care where Hertha ended up in the end or where Schalke, what teams are behind us. I'm just glad we made it. But no, really, 11th yeah. place is, of course, great. And being in front of Schalke is, is a nice thing to boast <laughs> about, for sure. Yeah. And we got so close to be in front of Hertha in the table. That would have been, of course, <laughs> the best in the end. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. Yeah. I would have been perfectly happy with a 15th place. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would think their goal for next year would be scoring goals. That kind of defensive play, having a solid defense and not allowing a lot of goals. Works for a lot of teams too, so that's yeah. always a balance. If you don't have the, the, the quality up front, you know, you got to find other ways to win the game. Yeah. Uh, any, any other games you guys wanted to shout out or talk about? Um, this week? It's pretty, everything pretty much happened as one um, would expect. Bayern, you know, with that 4 0 win. Uh, over Wolfsburg, uh, one more goal and they would have tied their all-time record. Uh, they really? hit one. They hit 100 goals this year, and one more, and they would have. They would have 101, which was their record. Um, you know, for they had to fire their coach right off the bat, and uh, and they came right back, and uh, you know, just blew everyone away again. You know, picked right up like nothing happened. Yeah. Uh, as much as I dislike Bayern Munich in general, um, but you gotta pay them respect for the way they do it season after season. It's yes, obviously not easy to perform that well that consistently. So, um, yeah, definitely yeah. respect. Yeah, with players that used to play for Dortmund. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, God. Yes. Um, and, and everywhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. All right, Bill. Well, let's get to some of your other. Uh, right. I, I have, I have, I have, I have a couple thoughts on some of these too. So, why don't you? Get yeah, and some of them I hit already. Like the first one we talked about with the with the uh, the Union and and hurt the Derby, and uh, and then Nico Kovac getting sacked right, you know, early in the season, and Hansi Flick coming in, uh, and you know he won like twenty games in a row at one oh, point, 
Yeah. And, uh, that was definitely a good decision on their part, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, Erling Holland coming in, uh, that was, you know, came in to start the break uh, for Dortmund. And uh, what a player to come in. I just just a joy to watch him play this year. Across uh, uh, across both leagues, he scored 44 goals in 40 games. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. No, yeah, he's, he's a weapon for sure. Yeah. Definitely awesome to watch him. And I'm glad that's good for the Bundesliga that he, that yeah. he joined us. So I'm very happy to watch him. Yep. Yep. Me too. Uh, well, sorry, sorry, Bill. To that point. No, so go ahead, David. Gio, Gio Reyna stepping up and playing for uh, Dortmund was yeah. fantastic. I mean, as American soccer fans, uh, that is, you know, Claudio Reyna was uh, the original Captain America before every single American in the Bundesliga has been called Captain America. Um, Claudio Reyna was the original Captain America. So seeing Gio Reyna step up and you know get that assist for his first goal, it really sucked when he was on. He was in the starting lineup and then got hurt against the, in the Schalke, uh, in the warm-ups for the Schalke match. Everybody's kind of holding their breath. But, like, that kid is only – kid's 17 years old. Yeah. That kid is, like – I could be that kid's yeah. dad. Yeah. Um, that's how fucking young that kid is. Now you know that feeling. Is, yeah, I know. Is this right? the no. first time you've had that feeling in your life, David? Not really. Uh, I, could be, I could be his grandfather. You, you could. <laughs> you could. Sorry, derailed you. Go ahead, Bill. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the thing about that with, with his, where he's at is, you know, they, they part with players so young on, on Dortmund that, you know, he could be, you know, in a key role next year. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk of, of, of Jaden Sancho, you know, moving on. Um, and, uh, you know, he could be in the prime spot to move, move into that, to that spot right away. And uh, so you never know where you're going to end up in that, in that team. Yeah, Dortmund's going to look really different next year. Sancho's almost certainly gone. Uh, yeah. Hakimi yeah. is already gone. Yep. Um, on a horrible deal to Madrid. We don't have to get into it, but that's yeah. – or sorry, Madrid's horrible deal to Inter. Um, so, there. I mean, that squad's going to look pretty different. I, I have to imagine that they're planning to build around Gio Reyna. I guess the one X factor is do they move Thorgan Hazard? Yeah. Um, then – you know, the, you mentioned a little bit ago, Conrad, about about you know fans owning chunks of the team. I mean, that's that's kind of an issue in in Bundesliga as a whole. Is they have that rule, that fifty plus one rule, where an owner can't own more than 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 you know fifty plus one percent of a team. And uh, no, that was that, no, you, you said it wrong. But anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, go ahead and the, correct me. The, the club has to remain or retain fifty. Uh, percent plus one um, percent of the ownership. The, okay. The members of the club have to retain that. Yeah. The Whatever. members. An outside uh, investor cannot have more than fifty percent. Let's say that way. Or, Correct. Yeah, Forty-nine point nine 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 and whatever. And this year, the fans around the league really uh, were upset at 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 Dietmar Hopp, uh, uh, the owner at Hoffen, Hoffenheim. Because uh, he's really pushing that rule, and and he's trying to sell uh, to outside investors, and uh, it's uh, it's you know, and and people see that as uh, diluting the you know the history and the the culture of the league, and what keeps it different from, especially from like uh, the Premier League, uh, is what they point to, to the most. Right, right, exactly. I think uh, too many German fans have just seen what can happen to a club uh, in the Premier League. Um, for example, like just Man City, which seem to have lost 
it completely. Right? It's just com- yeah. different, different club. Um, and that is, of course, a bit scary, especially for um, teams with with like big and strong fan bases. Of course, you know that's their life basically that you're toying with there. And yeah, yeah they they created because they are passionate about what about their club. But if you take that away from them, I mean, yeah, of course, people will get upset and not be happy about it. And Hoffenheim is only one example. Just all that frustration. Oh on the fan side and just yeah red red bull is a huge example right right but they're also like hanover is the the owner is similar he's trying to get past that 50.1 rule too and uh, 50 plus one rule too um so it's it's definitely happening in several clubs um yeah i'm definitely not for it but then again the way this business uh, football has been going um i don't know i feels like it's just a matter of time yeah, there's a lot of world money coming into Bundesliga. Um, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's more and more. It's the pressures there. Um, the next thing I had was uh, the return and quick exit of Jurgen uh, Klinsmann. Uh, <laughs> he let the door hit him in the ass. Um, and uh, a lot of us, a lot of us uh, here were kind of laughing and enjoying uh, his quick exit. Um, so it, uh, you know, there, there weren't too many of us who, uh, who were sad to see him go. So no, I, I just, sorry, I defended Jurgen Klinsmann's, uh, approach with the national team. What he tried to do at Hertha was stupid, um, was insane. And like the amount of money that he spent on transfer fees, um, was absolutely fucking bonkers. So, um, I, I, don't let the uh, door hit you where the good Lord split you is the, uh, is the yeah. colloquial saying here in the U.S. Yes. And then uh, COVID, uh, the Bundesliga showed you can do, you can do it right. Um, you know, I think we might be watching MLS about to do it wrong. Um, <laughs> and uh, I have these fears about where we're going with it. But, uh, but you know, they really controlled it and uh, – and, and it went pretty smoothly. Um, so, yeah, so far, how, how are other European leagues? Do we know anything about that? Like, how are Well, we'll get to is... Premier League here in a minute. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, just generally from the COVID factor. I mean, they basically are going by the same rules, right? When it comes to the distancing. With, within yeah, the yeah, yes, yes. All the European leagues, well, I mean, but the big, the main, the big leagues are. Right. You know. yeah. But th- so uh, what, I, what, I, what I want to say is it's not just Germany. I feel like Europe in general seems to be doing it no, fairly well so far. I've heard I haven't heard of anything. Right, but you got to give you got to give Germany the credit though because they really led, you know, and they right. they you know everybody else said go ahead go first. And, no, right. Uh, I think that's also just born out of the situation that Germany in generally in general seem to um, deal seem to have dealt the best with the pandemic and. Yeah. Keeping it under control, and yeah, when you see yeah. the numbers in the hospital, and generally the system, yeah, not being overwhelmed as was feared by so many. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then my final thing for the season was just eight straight tight eight straight titles for Bayern Munich. Um, that's that's just incredible. I mean, I I watch David get you know just out of his gourd excited for a first title for Liverpool here and. 
and Byron just makes it look so fucking easy. <laughs> um, they just, you know, it's, it's like, you know, it's like, ah, you know, once again, here we are. Right. Which, yeah, no, not interesting anymore. Yeah. No, I, 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 we, I'm over it. I'm way we, over it. Yeah, we need it to change, though. I mean, it, it's to be, to be a fan of Bundesliga, it's, it's, it's got to be right. more interesting than this. Right. When I think back to the 90s or 2000s, you know, when Bayern would win most of the time, but that every other, that, that one year, you know, out of five that they didn't make it out, that was yeah. so sweet. And just to yeah. watch them fail. <laughs> I, yep. yeah, I miss that. Tell them to go play in Spain for a season, you know? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe um, do an exchange program with them in PSG. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right. Uh, anything else on the Bundesliga that we, that we spent about 30 minutes discussing? Or should we jump into uh, K-League with uh, MJ's update? All right, MJ, what do you got? Well... There's not a lot to talk about except, you know, all, all three of our teams won, guys. Pohang Steelers win away at Guangzhou 2-0. Uh, Ulsan Hyundai, the, the second-place team, hosts the other Hyundai really good team, the first-place uh, Junbuk Hyundai. And Junbuk Hyundai win 2-0. So Bill's team wins. David's team wins. My team was playing the toilet bowl at the 11th-place team versus the 12th-place team in John United. Just so you know how horrible that that game was, and I was up at 3 a.m. for some unknown reason. I was just like, I might as well stay up till 5 a.m. to to watch this this FC Seoul game. There were two PKs given, one to Incheon. Incheon goes wide. Then FC Seoul in the second half get, gets a penalty kick. There's a stop by the keeper, and then they finally score. But the the maybe the most important thing from a MLS uh, podcast perspective is that former Seattle Sounders uh, Kim Ki Hee is playing for Ulsan Hyundai, and uh, he took a red card in the 27th minute. So uh, that definitely helped Bill's team out a lot. I know how to randomly pick teams. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> Uh, so NWSL, uh, they kicked off there. So the first American uh, team sports league um, kicked off uh, over the weekend uh, on Saturday with uh, the Courage, the North Carolina Courage, my team, uh, beating uh, MJ's Portland Thorns. So suck it, MJ. Uh, and in then, the ninety fifth fucking minute. In the ninety fifth minute. Uh, so I was so I was actually at the Blackheart to watch this game. I watched the first half. I watched. A good chunk of the second half, and then I had to leave because my little brother was in a weightlifting competition. So I missed all of the goals. I literally missed <laughs> every single goal in this game because it happened after I had left the bar. Um, and then later in the evening, uh, the uh, Bills Washington Spirit beat uh, Dan Wade's uh, Red Stars two to one. So suck it, Wade. So there's games. Chicago dominated that match too. They, they just said no answer for Rose Lavelle. Yeah. Once so again, I, I randomly pick a winner. Yeah, I. So I was at the Black Heart. We were doing a the Dark Clubs were doing like a little cocktail uh, party thing, and we watched that game. And I was getting progressively more and more drunk on Saturday night watching that match. Um, it was a fun match to watch. And you're right, Dan. Chicago really could top of that game, and how Washington won was, you know, Rose Lavelle pretty much, basically. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so games are tomorrow or today, if you're listening to this podcast, Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, 11.30 a.m. and 9 p.m. Uh, and then the other big uh, news was that they put out a anthem policy. So in the first game, if you guys watched, um, both the Courage and the Thorns players all took a knee, um, every all single one 22. of them. All 22. All 22. Like everybody on the sidelines from what, from what I saw on camera – and no, there was like start. there was one person standing in the first game. Yeah, okay. It was one I of the subs. I didn't know who okay. it was. Nice. I'm like, there's, there's a pullout crowd shot. There's one nice. person. All right, I did not see that. And then in the uh, in the second game, um, there was a bunch of players kneeling, but also a shit ton of players not kneeling. So uh, they decided to put out a, a anthem policy revision, um, which basically states that you can be in this, you know. You can, they're going to play the anthem regardless, and you can either be on the field and take a knee or do whatever you want, stand and over your head or hand over your heart, or you can be in the locker room and not be a part of it. So, um, I mean, it just seems like they keep shooting themselves in, uh, you know, the lady dick uh, with a statement can, like this. Can you bring a 40 ounce and pour one out for your homie? <laughs> I mean, it, they didn't say no. I mean, it, it is Utah, though, so try and find a 40 in Utah. Yeah, there you go. Good luck. <laughs> uh, MJ, do you have anything else on, on this, or did I cover it? I, I'm very concerned that the official statement said, after discussing with players and, uh, was it um, stockholders or stakeholders, probably. Basically, stakeholders. sponsors. Yeah. You know, there was language that basically said, that you know whether it was secret or Procter and Gamble that that they had discussed this with, and I'm my concern is is how much did the sponsors have sway in it, and the other thing also I know nothing about so I'm purely conjecturing here. I'm wondering if how much the players who knelt or the players who who stood, how much flames and, and hate mail they got um, via, via via social media, and and if that influenced the decision the decision at all so yeah my two things i know nothing about but i'm going to conjecture on i doubt it um alexi lawless put out a tweet punching himself oh, boy. His, punching himself in his own dick speaking of punching yeah. himself in your dick what a dumbass um, and then he had to he deleted it and was like oh you know he what? did he did yeah and he posted a statement saying like that was you know insincere it was not right i apologize for doing that so i mean at least that dude i mean like you know, it's it's fun to dunk on Alexi Lala sometimes because yeah, idiot just keeps again yeah. punching himself why, in his own dick. So why does he feel he has to put up an opinion that's contrary and just just to keep that persona going? I don't know. Dude's from Michigan. Uh, he's, yeah, he might be paid by by social media metrics uh, only. You know, I mean, <laughs> we've met him. We know he's not that way in person. No, he's generally a nice guy, but he says some yeah. stupidest shit. Yes. online. I just don't understand. Yeah. All right. Anyways, anything else on NDBSL that we should uh, chat about? Otherwise, we can we'll jump into the EPL, and we're not going to talk Liverpool too much because Martin oh. and Bridget and I are going to record a Liverpool centric podcast tomorrow. Tomorrow <laughs> night. Uh, so well, don't. Thank goodness. Sure, you're nixing us out. 
No, you, we can talk about it if you guys want to. But I'm saying, <laughs> I will probably spend an hour talking about it. Going to go be with your other friends. And I, I <laughs> know you probably, can join them if you want. I yeah. think I could join them if I want. But guess what? I don't want to join that party. Yeah, guess what? I will, I will kick you out of that party if you show up. Oh, wow. So. <laughs> I guess um, it wasn't all right. So, uh, so any, anything else on the NWSL? Yeah, I mean, I think two things worth noting. One, the, the two games were for what they were, namely the first competitive game these teams were playing in months, remarkably good. Um, I think we generally saw what we saw in in the EPL's return, the Bundesliga's return, which was individual talent players really shown through. Crystal Dunn looked amazing. Roosevelt looked fantastic. Um, But the teams themselves were so disjointed. But just the, the quality of the players on the pitch is so high now that I think as these teams start playing their second and third games, they are doing more consistent practice. I think this is going to be a really, really fun tournament. Um, I have very high hopes that CBS will get their streaming figured out because right now it is bad. Um, Mm. But if they can get that piece figured out, if they can get a few more games onto big CBS, man, this could be such a great uh, billboard for not just women's soccer in the U.S., but specifically for the NWSL to really grow that fan base. Uh, I didn't know the games were on turf. And this does matter. Uh, that sucks. <laughs> we already saw uh, one player blow a knee. And boy, I just hope that we don't see a, a more a rash of, of soft tissue injuries. Yeah. This is actually, so the game uh, on CBS was the first ever nationally televised women's, U.S. Women's Soccer League game ever. ever. Yeah, I totally like, believe that. Yeah. Any, any of the uh, iterations of, the, of women's soccer in, in the U.S.? Other- like, there's never been one on on a like you know the CBS, Fox, NBC, ABC. This was the first one ever. So, um, and honestly, like because Dan, you're right because I think CBS is more than likely going to take over the Champions League and Europa League this year because TNT and Bleacher uh, right. Report opted out of their contract for the rest of this year and next year. So um, theoretically, CBS will be taking it over. So uh, hopefully, we'll be seeing more. The, the, the bug that they had for, this, for the scores and stuff was actually kind of cool and kind of old school, but you're right. It took us a long time to figure out how to get it on at the bar vis-a-vis the app for the, the 9 o'clock game. So. Um, all right. CBS. Yeah. Um, all right. So EPL. Um, so Liver- like, as, I, you know, as we alluded to, Liverpool wins the league with seven matches left. That is the, simultaneously the earliest and latest title in EPL history. From the matches <laughs> and actual dates, just pretty cool. Um, that was courtesy of a uh, Chelsea two Man City one victory for Chelsea uh, on Thursday. Um, I just highlighted a couple matches that were maybe interesting for people: um, Leicester City zero, Brighton zero, um, and then uh, so that's, Leicester City, you know, was in a pretty commanding third spot. Um, are yeah. dropping back to the pack. They are now only at fifty-five points. Uh, three points ahead of Wolves in, in fifth place and only one ahead of Chelsea in, in fourth place. Um, I mentioned the Chelsea two, Man City one. Christian Pulisic had a amazing goal, that stutter step. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't I'm not understand what the hell fucking Benjamin Mende and uh, those guys were doing in the back. But, you know, Christian Pulisic, Captain America, doing his thing. Uh, Wolves one, Villa zero. Um, again, huge win for Wolves. Um, I'm a, I have a soft spot for... Wolverhampton uh, and they are 
currently now sitting in fifth place. They do have a game in hand versus Manchester United. And then uh, Watford won, Southampton three. Um, man, Villa and Watford are just going for suck fest. Both those teams. <laughs> yeah. Just don't want to win. I don't understand why. They're both in relegation battles. Um, I, I skipped out on the FA Cup stuff. I don't know if you guys had any FA Cup thoughts or mm-hmm. – uh, yeah, there's no good teams left in it, are there, Dan? Screw you, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Arsenal I this week didn't – I'm not going to tell you they looked good, but they stopped looking so bad. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's a step in the right direction. They beat Southampton, which yeah. is not particularly impressive if you look at the table, but Southampton has had Arsenal's number for years. I have nightmares about playing in St. Mary's during the Boxing Day fixtures. Because it feels like it's every year. And they beat us 3-1, and all three goals are up for goal of the season. Um, <laughs> Shane Long, if Shane Long only played against Arsenal, you would like he would be Ballon d'Or every year, guaranteed. So uh, Arsenal managed to not give that game away. Uh, they also managed to not have a player sent off, which is important because there was a red card. It just happened to miraculously not be given to them. And then uh, they beat Sheffield. And, and Sheffield... Yeah. Is probably the, the second best team they've played um, since the restart. So, you know what? Stuff's turning in the right direction. If if my prediction of Arsenal gets 10th and wins the FA Cup is to become is to, to pass, uh, they'll have to beat Man City to do it. But Arsenal plays well at Wembley. So, uh, yeah. It, it's not impossible. Yeah, I think Arsenal turned it around this week compared to last week. And uh, I think Leicester and. Uh, Sheffield, neither of them have come back from the COVID break yet. No. Yeah. yeah. And, and with Sheffield, you wonder. Leicester's got a ton of talent on that team, and, and Broge is a great yeah. coach. But with Sheffield, you just wonder how much was momentum. Right. That, uh, that they just kept winning, they kept playing well, so practice was easier, so they kept winning, they kept playing well, so they practiced better. And then all of a sudden they hit this brick wall, and it's got to be super tough for, that, for, for a squad running on adrenaline and momentum to pick yeah. it back up. Yep. Um, all right, so some upcoming matches that are of interest. <clears throat> I'm just going to run through all these, and then if you guys have any thoughts on any of them or anything else I want to add. Uh, this Wednesday, West Ham, uh, Chelsea, uh, Bournemouth, Newcastle, also on Wednesday. <clears throat> on Thursday, we have the aforementioned Sheffield United and Spurs, who are uh, kind of sputtering as well. Uh, Man City and Liverpool. I was really hoping that this would be the, the game that won the title for Liverpool, but mostly because I want to yeah. rub it in my, my wife's face. Um, I just have to do that now. Anyways. Uh, and then Saturday and Sunday and Monday, we have Wolves Arsenal Saturday, Leicester Crystal Palace Saturday, Newcastle West Ham on Sunday, and Spurs Everton on Monday. And, uh, Dan, you, you mentioned Leicester. Um, they're having some issues in, uh, in the city of Leicester. Yeah. So this is so. a really, really interesting test for something that we've talked about a few times on the pod, which is that um, as much as we talk about the global pandemic and, and, how everything shut down, it does hit in different areas uh, better and worse at different times. Uh, and so uh, this week, I think specifically Monday, uh, the British government uh, basically said, if you can avoid going to Leicester, do, <laughs> don't go, don't go there. I mean, this isn't like full on, we don't go to Ravenholm or yeah. well, they uh, shut down, but well, they shut down all the schools. They shut down all the businesses that were not essential basically. Right. So they, back to, they like, basically rolled yeah. it all the way back to as stringent as the lockdown ever was in Britain. Cause the, I, I think Lester had something like 10% of the entire nation's cases. And wow. so 
it's not that fans are in the stadium, so that part isn't really affected. But Leicester is supposed to play home this weekend, I think, against Palace. If you're Crystal Palace, do, do you drive up there? Do you get a hotel there? I mean, it's, it's, it's non-essential. I mean, sports is the definition of non-essential, right? But so this is such an interesting test for, okay, the nation is doing one thing, but this area, this specific area, is really doing poorly. Um, equivalent in the U.S., I mean, you're looking at L.A. County is totally blowing up. Houston may be running out of ICU beds. So it's really hard to imagine a Orlando. scenario. Or, yeah, Orlando is its own thing. Um, so so, less, so Crystal Palace just played Liverpool in Liverpool. Um, they actually are playing in Liverpool again against uh, uh, Everton on Wednesday. And then they host um, – uh, yeah, then they host Crystal Palace on uh, Saturday. So – so we'll see. I mean, I, yeah. I this isn't something I think that's going to get left hung out to dry. I think there will be a specific statement of this game is happening or this game is not happening. The flip side to all of this is there are no fans there. There's no home field advantage. Just freaking go play in Newcastle or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then, yeah I, sorry. Go ahead, Dad. Go I have ahead, a Bill. question for the uh, for the bottom five of the uh, of the table there in the Premier League. Do any of them not want to be relegated? None of West, them have West none Ham. of none of them have have won <laughs> or mostly, t- mostly because none of them have the won since none of yeah. them have won or tied since coming back, have they? Yeah, no, they're bad. It's it's bad <laughs> down there. It's it's really really bad down there. So, um, so we had a question from uh, Sheldon Sieg. Uh, he asked, I think this is in reference to Liverpool. Uh, if there's any Ballon d'Or candidates in the lot, um, honestly, if if uh, we couldn't win if, if Virgil van Dijk couldn't win with winning the Champions League and and you know coming in second with 97 points. I don't think there's a chance that there's going to be any Liverpool players winning the Ballon d'Or. I think probably probably Robert Lewandowski has a much better shot of winning the Ballon d'Or. Um, and then his other question was: uh, So is the EA Games cover curse not a thing in FIFA? Um, I don't play soccer. I don't play FIFA, so was was there a Liverpool player on the cover of FIFA? It was a VVD, wasn't it? Virgil, no, or oh, Virgil van Dijk or so. Okay, so apparently not, so, Sheldon. It apparently is not a thing uh, in FIFA. The the uh, EA Games cover curse. So, hey, speaking um, of your inability to play video games, how's your uh, football manager save going? You know what? I haven't played it uh, since the last time I said I played it, which was going on. Mid March, so <laughs> it's, it's, I still have it on my computer. Um, I just haven't actually. I think I'm still in the preseason, honestly, for Minnesota United. So, yeah, um, <laughs> fuck you, Dan. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's take a break and then we'll come back. We'll we'll talk actually the actual MLS thing. We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, the uh, Eastern Conference groups, um, some U- United news, and then uh, and then wrap up the podcast. So. We'll be back after this break. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. All right, and we're back, uh, and we're going to jump into uh, the the fun. craziness that is MLS and the MLS is back tournament. And the first things I got guys is MLS is testing positive. 
because uh, 20 MLS players test positive for coronavirus ahead of the return of the tournament um, that's happening in Orlando, uh, which is seeing some of the biggest spikes in the country when it comes to corona, uh, coronavirus testing. So um, on a scale of uh, 1 to 10, 1 being not happening, 10 being happening, how confident are we that this tournament's actually going to fucking happen? Because I'm, I'm hovering around like a two and a half right now. I'll go three and a half. Okay. Seeing I'm going to go the total. This, go ahead, Gunred. Yeah, sorry. Seeing that uh, it's usually just about money in this country anyway, isn't it? Aren't the chances still pretty high? Are people are not that important, are they? Correct. And that is why the answer is like nine and a half. Because yeah. it's going to take multiple teams testing positive, like fully and fully pulling all the way out for this not to happen. I mean, the teams are already down there. On, like, not, honestly, not all of them. If, not, uh, but most of them at this point, aren't they? I don't know. I think Minnesota just left yesterday. So yeah, I think most teams went down either over the weekend or yesterday. Yeah. But point being, if you were, if you thought there was even a five percent chance of not having this tournament, you don't expose the players at all you tell teams to play at their own facility or practice their own facilities and then you come down so the fact that you've already got teams on the ground there this thing is happening um the only way it doesn't happen is if you get a a serious outbreak scenario so like within the bubble you all of a sudden get 40 positive cases or something like that i'm staying with my zero chance it's happening (laughs) you've been you've been consistent on that bill i've been consistent all along that this tournament is not gonna happen yeah the emerald city it's just gut yeah the emerald city supporters came out with a statement basically saying like shut the fuck down this is not Mm -hmm. not good and they're one of the bigger sgs uh and most one of the more well-respected sgs in the in this in the uh in the country um to your point dan they a total of 668 players have been tested and apparently they've gotten the 20 uh 20 positive tests so and I that's over do- time right so that's i mean some of these guys are would now test negative because they're i done with. think so but it, i think you're right dan almost so reports return to major selling us that 20 players and six staff members have tested positive coronavirus so yes yeah, over the so, last like three weeks. Yeah. So that's a little, I'm not going to say deceptive, but it, it, it presents a slightly higher number than you'd think. Um, to a question Conrad asked earlier about uh, other leagues, EPL had 2,000 something tests and had two positives. Mm-hmm. So there's clearly like the bubble can work, but I mean, Kyle Walker just can't be involved. <laughs> sex parties, no sex parties. Um, um, good thing they're going to it? Orlando, the strip club capital of the world. So yeah, Bundesliga two had a team that had like ten players test positive, and they just made that team forfeit their game for that week, and they right. sat out two weeks. Exactly, yeah. they just were quarantined for two weeks, and then yep. started or restarted their season a little later, and had yeah. to play more games in a very short amount of time. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so the other big thing, um, outside of the COVID is, uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, MJ gave us the math on, uh, the six team group there's, so as, as everybody's generally well aware, there are five, four team groups and a six team group in order to make sure that match days look similar. Um, and 
there was a argument that, you know, based on the math, uh, seemed valid that the group A was in a disadvantage in terms of uh, having, um, you know, extra teams and all that. So they changed the, the, the tournament up there. Group A third place team is automatically going through. So if you finish third in group A, you're automatically going through to the knockout stage. And then B, C, D, E, and F, only, th- only two, or sorry, three of those five teams will go through. Uh, or, sorry, two. Two of the five. And, and the fourth place team from group A. Yes. If, if, they, if they score enough points or high enough, in, in whatever the combined table looks like. No. No. What? No, it's, oh, okay. the third, team, third place team is automatically going through, and the fourth place team is not a, is not a part of it. It's only uh, third oh, place good. teams in the rest of the group. Thank goodness. Cause yeah. That, that, that was originally part of, the, of, of this guy's pro- mathematical proposal, is that the fourth place team then should be considered in com- competition with the, the third place teams. Yeah. And I'm glad that's not right. Because you look at the – that math was all under the assumption that every MLS team has an equal chance of, or should be equally strength and equally capable of getting to the postseason or the knockout tournament. Yeah. And you look at group A and no way should four teams out of there make it. There shouldn't, I mean, no. there's an a argument to make, sir, that only one team gets out of that group, but you know, well, we can talk yeah. about that in a, in a second here. So, yeah. Um, all right. So the schedule the is also Orlando re- city, the home team yeah. should make it. Schedule is also schedule is also released um, for Minnesota United fans. Uh, we are kicking off the tournament on June or sorry July twelfth uh, at seven p.m. against Sporting Kansas City. We then play the following Friday at nine thirty, I think, against RSL, and then uh, the Wednesday, the twenty second, also again at nine thirty uh, against um, Colorado. So uh, Harrison Heath Cup. Yeah, the Harrison Heath Cup. So. Um, uh, so mark your calendars accordingly. There will be, I know the dark clouds, we've, we just have been discussing watch party locations. We're working on more locations than we normally have. So everybody obviously has reduced uh, capacity. I know the dark clouds are also planning on doing a Twitch stream um, for people who don't want to go out to the bar, who want to watch the game with other people. So there's going to be lots of options for people to watch the game. All the games, all the Minnesota United games are on ESPN. Uh, we avoided any of the 8 a.m. games, which is great. Yes! Um, but we also uh, got saddled with two 9.30 p.m. in the evening games, which is also, you know, not great. So, either way. I like, I like it. I like yeah. it, too. <laughs> so, we'll, we'll talk about uh, – so, we're actually going to talk about Eastern Conference groups today. We're going to go the, through these, you know, relatively quickly because I don't think we have a ton to say. We'll, we'll talk about the Western Conference groups uh, next week uh, ahead of the tournament actually kicking off. Um, so, yeah, so Group A is uh, – this is a six-team group. It's Orlando City, Inter-Miami, uh, Philadelphia Union, New York City, Chicago Fire, and Nashville SC. Does anybody have any uh, immediate thoughts about this group other than Philadelphia Union is the only team that deserves to go through in this group? I would argue New York City can be put in that, in that conversation. I mean, the fact that there's three teams coming through, through from this group is, is a goddamn shame because – Francisco Calvo is going to be playing uh, knockout round soccer, probably. I mean, Chicago looked pretty decent in their first two games. Uh, they did. They gave Seattle a real run for their money. So they're, they're kind of the dark horse to me. I'll be interested to see how they do. Uh, the other team that's really interesting to me in here is uh, NYCFC, because we know they've got the talent, but they're also playing in a completely new system under, was it Ronnie D'Elia? So that's not really optimal. And then, I mean, they haven't been able to practice – 
they, they were one of the last teams to get clearance to practice and they couldn't even practice on their home pitch. They had to go across the border into Jersey uh, yeah. because as Hamilton taught us, everything is legal in New Jersey. That's true. Um, so, I mean, they've been, they've been practicing at Red Bull arena over in, in New Jersey. So I think they're, they're at a disadvantage because they're not as used to playing all together with the coaches system. And they're at a disadvantage because they're not playing. They haven't been practicing as long. So can you see them losing to Orlando? No, probably not. But finishing third in that group to Philadelphia and Chicago, yeah, I think that's possible. Yeah, so this group has uh, all, like five of the six teams outside of uh, uh, Philadelphia are all on brand-new coaches, implementing new systems and yeah. all that. So this is a – talk about a group that is, like, just kind of up in the fucking air. Um, it's this one. And the Inter-Miami just brought in uh, Breck, Breck Shea. Um, U.S. men's national team legend, Breck Shea. Former Arsenal trial Breck Shea. That will solve all their problems. Uh, yeah. Uh, of, these, uh, of these teams, they have zero wins in the first two games. How many draws, Bill? I don't know. A oh. couple. <laughs> it was a handful, but zero wins. Yeah. I, don't think, I don't think Miami has any draws. I think they have zero points right now. So this is one of the yeah. weaker groups. Uh, New York has zero points. Yeah, Miami is zero points. You, you would expect the Union and New York City FC to go through. Um, I mean, theoretically, somebody has to win in Orlando City versus Inter Miami. I mean, nobody really has to win. Um, could end up a one-one draw, but so you, you may. I mean, I would expect whoever wins that game is probably like in the driver's seat for the uh, the third spot in this group. So, yeah. Um. <laughs> I don't expect we'll see any of these teams to go past the first round of the, the first part of the second round. You know, oh, I could see I could see the Union making a run. They're, they're they they're not bad. Um, yeah, they're not. I, gonna, I don't last see year, it. I don't think though, dude. But I, yeah, yeah, I, I think don't you're right. see it. Yeah. Um. All right. Group C: Toronto, New England Revolution, Montreal Impact, and DC United. This is a fun group. Um, yeah. Toronto Montreal Impact already played earlier this year. Um, New England and DC have a have a semi rivalry, um, and uh, yeah, any, what do you guys think about uh, Toronto, New England, and Montreal and DC? Toronto and DC, obviously, two teams that have had historical uh, postseason runs. They had very good success in the league. Uh, New England, Montreal, not not so much. I mean, New England, New England had a run. Yeah, it was just like sure. in the 90s. Yeah, a long uh, time ago. <laughs> before most of us were born. But <laughs> they, are the uh, Buffalo, the... <laughs> they are the Buffalo Bills or the Minnesota Vikings of the uh, yeah, exactly. Cup. So. Oh, yeah, they absolutely are. Uh, you know, the fascinating thing to me about this group is that this time last year, D.C. United was probably one of the favorites in the East. Mm-hmm. Uh, fast forward a year, they've lost Rooney. Uh, they had... Oh my gosh! Why am I blanking on the player who went down in preseason? Costa. No, um, midfielder, USMNT. Anyway, they've lost uh, like their heart and soul of their midfield. I think this team finishes last. I think DC United finishes fourth in this group. Uh, below New England, huh? I mean, New England has looked decent. They looked good at the end of last season. So once they, they got uh, Bruce Arena in there, they looked way better. They made some smart moves this off season. The dark horse for me is Montreal. Um, we don't have to, to 
rehash my deep and abiding love of Thierry Henry. But this is a team that looked really good. Uh, now the flip side is they may Sheffield United. They were playing on momentum and they don't actually have the talent and they'll finish below DC. But this is a really interesting group. These games should be good games. Yeah. Yeah. Missing I mean, the, 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 the thing be- is with Montreal is Montreal and, and Toronto have that, you know, they have the ability to beat Toronto just out of, you know, the, the rivalry. And so you never know what's going to go on there. Minnesota United fans are, are very intimately familiar with the Montreal meltdown. Yes. Which happens fairly regularly, especially when they're playing Minnesota. So um, I would love to play Montreal in a, a knockout round game. Have another, that goes back uh, to the NASL days. It does. Yes, it does. The, it's, the Montreal uh, it's meltdown. I mean, fucking, fucking I fantastic. They, they have uh, – the tempers run high. Yep. Uh, all right. And then uh, – Anything else on Group C? Sorry. Oh, let's go back there. Yeah, you, you got the Canadian team right there. <laughs> Good job. First time for everything. Reading the chat. Uh, and then, if Terry Henry was not the coach, would he have gotten Toronto? No, he would, not, he would not have. No, I can, I can always get Toronto. Toronto's the one I can keep straight. It's the others. All right. Uh, and then this is, I think, the, the funnest group of, of this, of, you know, the eastern side of the bracket. Atlanta United, FC Cincinnati, New York Rebels, and Columbus Crew. Um, we get a Hell is Real Derby. We get Atlanta United and the Rebels who hate each other. Uh, guys, what do, you, what do you think about Group E? My absolute favorite thing about this group is all three teams at the top, Atlanta, Columbus, and Red Bulls are legitimate threats to go through. They're solid teams, which means that every single one of them has an incentive to run up the score on FC Cincinnati as much <laughs> as they possibly can, just in case they finish level on points. So I am deeply looking forward to FC Cincinnati. Let's say, let's say eking out one draw, finishing 1-0-2 with a goal differential of like negative 16 in three games. <laughs> Uh, Cincinnati, which has a very large German population. Um, I know there's a, there's a very large German population in Cincinnati. So, um, yeah, but they, they, and they, they legitimately hate Columbus, like with a passion. And I think they'll come to hate both, uh, the Red Bulls and Atlanta United after this group stage, group stage matches. So, yeah. You guys have anything else about, uh, about this one? I'm really interested to see what Caleb Porter can do with the Columbus crew in year two. There are a lot of uh, people a lot smarter than me that tend to say that you really see a, a coach that has a good system, that that system starts to kind of click in year two and year three, not year one. So that that's my interest in this group. I think it's also sort of a question of the uh, – irresistible force and the immovable object because no matter how good Caleb Porter's system is, all of his attacking moves finish at the feet of Giassi Zardes and boy is that a risky proposition. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. I, I just I just don't see Columbus pulling it together. I don't know. I uh yeah. I, I didn't watching them last year just it, it just didn't gel ever to me. I don't know. Maybe I didn't see him enough, but... Yeah, I mean, if you've seen Jossie's artist once, you've seen enough of Jossie's artist. Yeah, I mean, him, <laughs> him aside, 
Yeah. Um, I did yeah. see him the very first time they played here in Minnesota. I was driving down, uh, must have been Ninth uh, Street, downtown Minneapolis, and I get up to Nicollet Mall, and I'm at the red light, and I look over to my left, and there's Jesse Zardas standing there. And I had my window down, and I said, hey, and he, and, hey, and I said, you really suck. <laughs> and you just saw his face really bum out. <laughs> God damn it, the game, that's how the game soccer's made it in the u.s the though. game started about four hours later five hours later it was just awesome to be able to do that to him <laughs> that's the game that ethan finley scored the the winning goal no he didn't play for us yet this was oh, okay. like right away one of the you know probably in one of the first four games of our of our existence home games it was right, beautiful well. it was beautiful though <laughs> Gotta catch that on uh, on film next time. Yes. Um, all right. So next week we will talk about the uh, the rest of the groups, the Western Conference side, and then uh, we'll we'll actually like let's make predictions for who's gonna get out of the group stages. Cool. Sounds good. All right. Um, all right. So we have some. Sadly, we have some United news. Uh, nothing COVID related, which is good, uh-huh. but kind of COVID related, which sucks. So um, the Minnesota United, uh, trying to think of the best way to to explain this as concisely as possible. They laid off uh, all of their uh, youth development academy staff, but for one person um, who was furloughed, but they basically got rid of their entire youth academy staff. um, And now there's a whole big thing, <clears throat> excuse me, about whether kids are able to be released to other youth clubs, uh, MLS youth clubs. Um, if you're just catching up now, uh, MLS, or sorry, the U.S. Soccer Federation basically dissolved their development academy program, and now there's a whole. They're trying to, you know, a come to Jesus moment about trying to figure out what we're going to do with youth soccer development in this country. Which has not been great. Um, it's I think it leaves a lot of kids undeveloped and under undiscovered. Anyways, Minnesota United uh, is the only team in MLS that has uh, gotten rid of their academy staff um, and basically more or less shuttered their academy teams. Um, every other team, including a team that's not in the league right now, uh, Austin, uh, has an academy structure that is being paid by the their teams. So this is not a good look for, for Minnesota. It's not a good look for development academies. Um, there's been some conflicting reports uh, and to people who are very, you know, parents of kids who are part of the program um, saying, you know, saying things like that Minnesota United is blocking, <clears throat> blocking moves uh, for these kids to other uh, youth development programs, uh, MLS youth development programs, which is um, kind of a shit show. The big thing I will take away from this is that this has been an ongoing problem for Minnesota soccer. This started a decade ago with, with Manny Lagos and the debacle that was the Manchester, or the, uh, sorry, not the Manchester, the Minnesota Thunder Academy um, program. Um, Minnesota United fucked this part up. So twice in the last decade, Minnesota United, and specifically Manny Lagos, has screwed up 
uh, a development program. Um, the fact that we are theoretically going to give him a third opportunity to screw up soccer, youth soccer partnerships as a development pipeline for professional soccer in Minnesota seems kind of batshit crazy to me. Am I wrong? Yeah. I'm, am I wrong or am I? Just, no, I like you're it? not. You're not wrong. Okay. Right. Bill has seen more of the, the Lagos family soccer legacy in Minnesota um, than I have. I, I would just say that there's probably some really people that are really pulling hard to try to keep that Lagos family connection to, to Minnesota United. Um, and it's unfortunate because he has, you know, it kind of became very clear that Carl Craig was doing more of the coaching and he was, you know, back in the NASL days. So that's why Carl Craig was then elevated to head coach. Um, Manny Lagos became sporting director. And then we've seen him, you know, basically be removed from the sporting director position, being put in charge of youth academies. Now this is failing. Um, It's, as David said, there's, there's three, levels of that he has not delivered in doing his job i mean this is functionally the arson wenger problem i mean for those of you who aren't up on your arsenal history arson wenger took a very mediocre arsenal team and turned them into an international powerhouse uh going through the entire premier league season undefeated is one of the all-time greatest coaches in world history yeah 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 i see your crude gesture you animal uh (laughs) 12 ties Still better than Liverpool. Uh, at least we won our we either won or drew. Uh, point being, like he's an absolute legend. He's given so much to global soccer, and his last two or three years at Arsenal were legitimately hard to watch because he wasn't. A, it's not that he wasn't a good coach anymore. He just hadn't connected to the players. And sure, that you, I'm not going to get into a discussion of whose fault that is because I don't want to open that can of worms. But the point was, he didn't have the connection. He couldn't motivate them, and the team sucked because of it. And that's a little bit how I feel about Lagos. Like, he's a legend. There is – and the entire Lagos family. Like, Minnesota soccer owes more to that family than we can possibly say. But that doesn't mean that we should just continue giving them leash in perpetuity. Like, at some point, the more merciful thing to do is say, look, thank you for everything you did. We want to honor you. You will always be part of this family. But we are not allowing you to do one more thing just to see if this is the one that works for you. Um, I've said this in other venues. The thing with the academy is it is the exact worst scenario for the club. The way this entire franchise has worked since the move to MLS has been, well, we're just going to try it. And then when the holes emerge, we're going to patch them. Um, The defense was absolutely miserable for two years. They went out and got Ikebara and Ozzy Alonso. That worked pretty well. Uh, Our attack doesn't really work. We're going to finally get rid of Angelo Rodriguez. We're going to bring in Luis Amaria. We're going to draft high for – we're going to spend the, the sort of talent to, to get strikers, et cetera. And that sort of works at the professional level, but la- academies are lagging indicators. If you screw up a kid's development at U7, U8, U9, it really may not show until he gets to U12, U13, U14. And by that point, you have a whole other generation of kids that have gotten screwed up by this. So the academy setup is just – it's horrible for the way United wants to run itself as a franchise. But like, it, 
there's no excuse for the way that they're treating the current academy. If they want to burn it all down, start it from scratch, I can't really blame them. It's not that it's been a hugely productive academy outside of Fred Emmings, um, who is also a Rocket League freak, and they actually be better at that than he is at professional soccer. TBD was one that pays him more money. Uh, that's fine. Like, I have no problem with them starting over from scratch. Professional sports is still a business. But the fact that they are hurting so many kids by keeping yeah. them in-house and not letting them go seek other opportunities is unconscionable to me. Clean up your mess, pay your debts, start over. That all, that's fine, but it starts with paying your debts. Don't make these kids pay for it. Yeah, and I mean, the problem is that, yes, they're, they're trying not to pay their debts. They're trying to like sweep everything under the rug and just sort of like make it go away. <clears throat> Which ultimately I think is going to end bad for them, whether <clears throat> whether it's in court or whether it's uh, you know in some very bad press for them. I think there's just no way they can do it. And I mean, I've been as, as much of an advocate for Manny Lagos, you know, as as anybody, but he can he clearly cannot lead this. And right. the other thing that is sort of like the goddamn elephant in the room is that Bill McGuire has never wanted to fund a youth academy. He said as much to people where you're just like okay i think is he is that is he actually saying the quiet part out loud he's actually saying the quiet part out loud like he doesn't want he spent and he's putting in and i will say like bill mcguire is a billionaire for a reason he understands that he doesn't want to throw money at things that are just not going to fix but you know he's they've set up this program that was number one, like not engaging with uh, other youth development programs, like and just tried to like coach some of the best kids, but then actually didn't like hire the best coaches for this thing. Like, so he tried to like throw money at this thing, didn't work, and so now he's losing two and a half million dollars. Theoretically, like, that's the numbers I've heard quoted from people that I relatively trust. Two and a half million dollars a year, and yes, he's a billionaire, but like I don't know, I. I if I was a billionaire throwing two and a half million dollars down the, like burning it, you know, in my backyard would not seem like the smartest idea, even though it's like, right. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's minuscule compared to like what the rest of us are making, but I don't know. So it's, it's a, and the fact that they, they use COVID as like the excuse for getting rid of this thing when no other, no other MLS franchise has used that or cut their program the way that Minnesota United just absolutely did. And then, and then on top of that, like if the reports are true way they, where they are like blocking players from going to other MLS academies, kids as young as 12, apparently. Yeah. That's what it said. That's fucked. That's fucked. So yeah. I really hope, I really hope that some of the SGs, you know, come together and put out a statement saying, saying that, like that this is just fucked. I mean, to me, it reads like, you know, this is a, this the whole system of professional soccer in the U.S. is a very complex system with academy leagues, with outside uh, you know feeder leagues like USL, and uh, you know it's a complex system, and they just don't have the infrastructure to manage this, and they just don't have their shit together to do that, and that's it's as simple as that, and uh, you know. And to use these other cop-outs like COVID to cover it, it's like, come on. Um, you know, and then, you know, they go through these long bouts where they just 
don't say anything, which, you know, is just as infuriating, um, you know, just to cover incompetence. It, it's pretty bad. Um, you know, when you see places like, you know, Dallas who've made a fortune selling players overseas, you know, and what you can make on out of, out of an Academy, um, you know, it's, we, we could aspire to the Dallas Academy. I don't think we have, um, I mean, at best we're like the sporting Kansas city Academy, I think. Yeah. I, and well, which is fine. Academy too. It is yeah. fine. It's fine. And they do, they do fine. But I think the big, the I big thing we should aspire to the RSL Academy. We, you know, one of the things that like when Martin and I, like we first started talking about the Academy on this podcast years and years ago, um, was yeah we would we would aspire to the FC Dallas Academy where we're, we're selling players and and we're developing like you know yeah um, national team players and things like that, but ultimately like that's not going to be the case like the, the, this this academy if done right and done a hundred percent perfectly could maybe fund itself maybe this is going to be a lot this is going to be a loss leader it, it always has been it always will be most i would i would argue probably like 22 of the 26 current mls teams development academies are loss leaders right there you're not making money on selling your players um whether you're selling them within mls or or abroad there's like maybe three or four academies that actually maybe make money fc dallas yeah. being the biggest one and fc dallas yeah. like brings in enough money yeah. um that they can, you know, basically they could theoretically probably cover the losses of most of the MLS academies. Um, and that's on a good year. In a good year, four teams are probably making making money. You know, in, in a bad year, it's it, twenty five of the twenty six teams are losing money in terms of like what they're putting into their academy versus what they're getting out of it. But it's not about that. That's the whole point, and part of the whole point of you know what this team said when they were dropping their stadium into the midway was that they, you know, they were going to, they were a team for the community and they've done, they've done literally, I mean, basically jack shit to really say that they are a team of the community, right? This youth program stuff is like, just like the next iteration of them not being, you know, not really truly believing that, like truly believing like, oh yeah, we're, we're a soccer team first and then community second. So that's my estimation. Yeah. But you know, you, you, both, both Manny and, and Amos have come from, you know, teams that have had, you know, great academies. DC United has a very good academy program. You know they're they're top ten in the league, starring Baron Trump, no less. Yeah, exactly. Which is why exactly. it's so fresh. Which, which is why, which, so- uh, unfortunately, Donald won't watch him play anymore. Yeah, that's right. Um, which is why this is so frustrating, honestly, man. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, we have a uh, two questions related to this. I think we kind of answered the first one. Uh, ben Cross Gagne asked. Uh, what on the earth is the FO doing with the Minnesota United Youth Academy? No idea. 
they're not putting a mask on it. They're just letting it get COVID and dying. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the more important question. So many, I've seen so many times Minnesota United has had a another team that is supposed to act as a feeder team to the to the top team. This goes back to like in 2013, the Minnesota United Reserves. You guys remember the Minnesota United Reserves? Yeah. Supposed to be in the Premier League of America with with uh, Minneapolis City. That wasn't handled well, you know. Uh, I mean, everything from, from coaching to, like, players knowing what team they were going to play on, what week, which rosters they were going to be rostered on. The, the announcement of the, of the Youth Academy from the, from the get-go, um, I can't remember which uh, development academy they partnered with, but there were people saying it should have been, uh, you know, Blackhawks or, or the Minnesota Thunder Academy, not the one that they ended up going with. So there's controversy around that. I just feel like... Anything, uh, the, the USL, the lack of a USL affiliate, you know, you know, everything that's supposed to be something that helps develop players for the first team, it doesn't look like this front office either cares about or knows what to do with. So it's frustrating from a historical perspective. Yeah. Um, all right. So the most important question, uh, uh, at Hop Clouds, Ask, he needs us to calibrate the douchebaggery scale. So on a scale from one to Dr. Bill McGuire, please rate the following things. There's five things. Um, adult knocking an ice cream out of a child's hand. Alexi Lawless uh, at La Cribs. So Andy Schletz. People who stifle children's dreams. People who leave poop in another's garbage can. So, um, so I think one is like the least douchebaggery and then Dr. Bill McGuire being the most douchebaggery. So wow. anybody have any thoughts on, on those five things? <laughs> so someone was complaining on Twitter today about poop being left in their and dog poop being left in their garbage. That was, that was a while ago. Yeah. Would that they rather nice. it be left in their yard? Yeah. I'm just like, or on their driveway, you know, like when you walk your dog, Sometimes you don't want to carry that stinky bag around and you find yeah. So Notch had, Notch had I mean, some arguments and he was immediately shot down because his arguments were I mean, kind of dumb. Yeah. I mean, I've owned dogs and my personal preference is you fucking take it home to your own garbage. Yes. But but it's better than somebody leaving it in your yard. That's all I can say. So, Or, or you know, s- s- plastered over your windshield. You know, there are a lot of... <laughs> That's getting into like that's actually a crime, I think. Or even better, oh, wiping the poop all over the dreams of children. <laughs> True. So, all right, combining so, four and five now. I like it. So I scale, like combining. I like combining these and then shoving those up the ass of Alexi Lawless. All right. So on a scale from one to Doctor Bill McGuire. On Schletz. and Alexi Lawless shits on Schletz. Yes. Yeah. The aristocrats. Um, All right, I'm going to go. So, uh, the one to Bill McGuire scale, I'm going to go. Bill McGuire is Alexi Lawless. Uh, Shitting, stifling children's dreams is uh, just below that. Uh, The Cribs is just below Alexi Lawless. Isn't that off the scale, The Cribs? No. He's, he's just <laughs> no. below Alexi Lawless. Um, 
knocking uh, ice cream out of a child's hand is just below the cribs. And then uh, people who leave poop in other garbage can is, is, a, is a one. That's, that's my... That's my pretty job. minor. Yeah. Whatever. And I, you know, as an adult who has knocked uh, ice cream out of a child's hand, it's really fucking fun. Christian asses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Christian, up your game next week. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Do you guys, you guys have any thoughts on that, or do you want to? I'm the same as you, except I, I would the knocking the the ice cream cone out of a child's hand would get tired for me. Okay, because I hate wasting food. That's true. Above yeah, wasting ice cream is a serious fucking crime. Is that above Andy Schlatt's or below Andy Schlatt's? Oh, it's it's the worst one there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's above. It's children's, above Schlatt's for sure. Children's dreams. It could be bad dreams. You know, you could stifle a children's bad dream. That's okay. That's fair. All right. Well, let's uh, be honest. They're they're going to be stifled anyway. It's just a question are, of who, who and when. You know, maybe I'd stifle them a little easier than life will. <laughs> All right, um, MJ, Minneapolis City News. If, if their dream is to have a delicious ice cream cone on a hot day, super. Yeah. I mean, you've killed two birds with one stone. I mean, that's that's just. Yes. All right, Minneapolis All right, City. Minneapolis City News. Uh, they are doing a free high school sports physicals in early August through their sponsor, Twin Cities Ortho, uh, at MPLS City SC on Twitter. You can find more about that. Uh, they are starting a Minneapolis Futures U20 team, and they will be holding a town hall meeting on that soon. Uh, if you are a member of Minneapolis City, you will get an email about that. If you're not a member... I think three of the four of us are. Yeah. If you're not a member, you should become a member. And Dan. You can ask, I, I was. I just let it lapse. <laughs> you can ask any of us on Twitter how to become a member, or you can go to their website. Give them money. Yeah. You just spend some money, and you're a member. Yeah. And, and, and you get a lot for your for, – for, you get a, yeah. a, a like, scarf and, and some stickers and vote, voting rights. This uh, week, you got to vote for new uh, new board members. Right. Did you guys vote? I did, yes. Not yet. Oh, get up. You're out of time. Get Go vote tonight. Yeah, I'll vote tonight. All right. That was a lot Tyler hates democracy. We know this. The last thing about Minneapolis City was, was that they're, they're David voting. voted already, he said. I voted already, but I also hate democracy. Okay. So, <laughs> yes. If, if, you know, St- if, staunch if authoritarian in, or what? If I could install a fiefdom, I would absolutely okay. install fiefdoms everywhere. I, everywhere I have to deal with. Um, you're sick I, of the th- you're sick of the three of us is what you are. <laughs> this no, this no has been a long this has been a long this has been a long standing thing of mine. I, I really I absolutely hate uh especially with soccer supporter groups, fucking democracy. Democracy yeah. is fucking stupid. And people don't they don't they don't vote like they vote against their actual yeah. beliefs and it's fucking stupid. Voting stupid. Yeah. I Don't tried to rec- I tried to recruit some people to run for the Minneapolis City Board this year, and and I failed I, in recruitment. I thought about it for a hot second, and then oh, they didn't like, need me on their board. They don't yeah. need an old white guy on their board. Yeah, no, exactly. That's why I was like, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't need to be on that board. Um, I thought about it for a hot second. But I was like, if I had to try to like justify that to Anna, I, I it wouldn't. Yeah. 
which have gone over well. I'm already on like four boards of directors. So I'm like, yeah. I, and I don't have a job right now. So I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, this is like my job. I'm just on these boards of directors. It's actually, yeah. you know, when, when I, you know, theoretically when I get a job soon, I'm like, yeah, I'm just probably like scale back on a couple of things. So yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. All right. Anything else on that? All right. Let's talk about uh, what we're doing to survive the Rona. MJ, you got you got some bullet points here, so why don't you uh, learn us uh, some Korean history? No, that's from last week. Oh, uh, okay. I thought that looked familiar. It's like, yeah. man, did I learn that in high school? All right, Bill, why don't you start then? I've been, obviously, like I said at the top of the uh, six hours ago, I've been uh, more camping and... Uh, and uh and and this time with beer more beer than weed um which is like a first for a long time um i've been uh you know hanging out with our friends rat and becky and uh and they tend to be beer over weed people and uh so i uh yeah been doing some uh some good beer cool and so that's 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 been my coping with covid and and God, just shaking my head at the number of people who don't fucking wear masks. Yeah, you have a you had a, a great tweet about uh, avoiding all of the northwest suburbs. <laughs> yes, um, I drove down through the northwest suburbs today, and now they're all on a no-go list: Ham Lake, <laughs> Ham Lake, uh, Andover, Anoka, Coon Rapids. Uh, I think I'm forgetting some, and then Lane, Jim Chamblin. and then, and then Jim Christ added Wisconsin. <laughs> would say, well, yeah, that's on the other side of, of, of yeah. the western part. <laughs> but he Actually, says they all fall into the same category. South Dakota is where, like, where you should be going now. Like, South Dakota yes. like, is a no-go zone. Um, North Dakota as well. Um, yes. I will actually say, so I was in Wisconsin last weekend, um, not this past weekend, but the weekend before for uh, visiting my in-laws. And Madison was like, actually, they were wearing masks. Like, anywhere I went, and most of the soccer bars that I was that I normally know to go to, yeah, people like they were they were just closed. Like they were just like they were doing takeout only, or they were just not closed. Or they were not open. Um, so it like, took me a long time to actually find a fucking bar to watch, as I mentioned in the podcast last week. Uh, but some of the guests, like so, we stopped. We don't, we try to stop as minimally as possible. Um, but we have you know we have a fucking you know seventeen month old child who needs to get out and like walk around a little bit and so we stopped at a couple places but like every place that was not madison people were definitely not wearing masks to my yeah. to my liking um they Duluth. had like, mask they had masks on but like they were like uh like under their nose yeah like it's like wearing underwear with your penis sticking out yeah i mean which i'm fine with like you yeah. know that's kind of sexy sometimes for the ladies but uh it's also not, yeah it, that, that's not a that, that doesn't it's help. just uh, not practical it's just not yeah. how it's what it's made it's to do practical. <laughs> so. yeah i was in duluth on uh friday and uh and duluth people were wearing masks so duluth and madison are our thumbs up good for them um dan what are you uh are you surviving the rona so i'm glad to hear that duluth people are wearing masks because uh what i've been doing to fight the rona is uh getting getting into like real estate dreams and i don't mean like as an investment i don't want to deal with that shit i'm like the least handy person in the world so if i get a tenant they're like yeah our, our faucets 
leaky. But like, ah, just put it down. Just kill it. It's it's no good to anyone now. Um, but uh, I keep thinking, you know, like if, if we could never go back into Allianz, uh, if if bars and restaurants are never open more than like twenty five percent, vaccine, and I'm I should say I'm relatively optimistic on vaccines, but. If all of a sudden the lead vaccines candidates don't really work out, if I never go back into an office, do I want to keep living in South Minneapolis? And I love my house and I love my neighborhood. But part of what I love about it is that I can like walk to bars and walk to the lake and stuff like that. So I, uh, I have spent an inordinate amount of time over the last week on Zillow, looking at like houses in Duluth, houses in Grand Marais, trying to figure out uh, well, you know, could I could I run a fiber line all the way up here and get high speed internet? But uh, it's been a good way to kill a week. Uh, the uh, the short version for those of you who'd like to join me in this is uh, stuff is relatively cheaply priced uh, in Duluth right now, but a lot of it feels very kind of mid to late '90s design. And so you can get a decent spot for like 150, 160 bucks, 160 thousand dollars, but uh, you're gonna have to pay about 50, 60 grand in re- renovations as well. Cool. Uh, MJ. Cooking, as usual. Uh, I made some fish tacos. My dad caught a bunch of sunfish, and he gave them to me for my birthday. He gave me um, several other things, like a very nice Cuisinart Dutch oven. Um, I I bought a a pork shoulder. So, Dan, I'm going to maybe ask you for your carnitas recipe so I can try to do that pork shoulder and make some my carnitas. Um, so yeah, uh, but yeah, I made some fish. I made some Cajun fish tacos. I made all the condiments from scratch, and it was delicious. What's um, what's sunfish taste like? Have you ever had panfish before? Like, th- so it's a smaller fillet, but they, they they fry up really nicely, and you can do it yeah. as simply just in in butter and and some dill, or you could. You could like I did a a a, a Cajun uh, flour mix and then followed by egg wash and then some breadcrumbs. So nice. usually you do them in a fry pan. Supposed to a grill. I describe the, the the taste. Uh, other than they're they're a mild uh, flavored fish. Yeah. Uh, that's it's they're, they're very pleasant to eat. So sounds good. David, what have you been? Oh, you already told us what you're up to. Oh. No, I haven't. COVID? COVID. You got the co- you got the COVID now, didn't you? Did not get the COVID. I, <laughs> I don't think I have. God, yeah, I don't think I have the COVID. You look uh, peaked. Thank you. Um, I'm in a <laughs> very unwell lit place. Um, don't don't I, give them an advertisement. <laughs> uh, if they want to sponsor the podcast, um, they can reach out to me, Texaseller uh, at gmail dot com. Uh, I've so no actually so this weekend. Um, I just, I've been really excited about all the soccer, so I've been watching as much soccer as I possibly can. Um, my parents bought my kid a, a chair that he's, like, a little too small for, so, like, he, he needs, like, help getting in. But once he's in, he's, like, leans back, and I can just give him, like, his glass of water. So I sit next to him in my chair and with my beer, and he has his, his glass of water. And then we can, like, sit and, like, drink and watch. Uh, we do... He likes to cheers, so like lift up his glass and cheers you. So we watch soccer. We watch a lot of soccer this weekend, um, but mostly. Uh, so we we're celebrating birthdays for me, my my wife, and my brother-in-law. Uh, my, me and my wife are 
birthdays are in May. My brother-in-law's birthday is in a couple weeks. In yeah, like two weeks. Um, so we do all of our birthdays together. Uh, and my parents, like everybody in my family, like got in together and bought me a grill, a gas grill, for my birthday. So we got that on. I got that on Sunday. So I've just been sitting, um, and it's been you know we got that on like yesterday at like four ish. And then it started to pour rain like two hours later. So now I've been sitting like in my sitting in my like pantry area, looking out my back door at my grill, like wondering when I can actually use that grill because it's been pouring rain pretty much since since I got the grill home. So I've been, you know, I've been, you know, doing a lot of uh, Googling of uh, grill recipes. So that's been my nice. That's in my last couple days. So, um, all right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, you can always rate and review us at wherever you find this fine podcast. Uh, DavesIKnow.com, Patreon.com, backslash DavesIKnow, uh, TheDavesIKnow.substack.com, at TBIKMN on Twitter. Bill is at Bill underscore McGuire. MJ is at MJ Matsui. Dan's at D Wade. I'm at Texas Zeller. Uh, thank you for listening. We've been the Dave's You Know this. But we have got to try and work it out Cause we both know we can't do nothing at all Oh, oh yeah Oh, 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 oh. Uh, we did as long as you do yours, land here, become fecund. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Through the act, we attract two, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. We, 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 we do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. Y'all, son, y'all, son, 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 son. Y'all know we can't do nothing at all. Nah, we can't do nothing at